Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. I think that maybe I could love you in the midst of all this, but cowards do not chase the things that set their thighs on fire. This program features the work of 2018 writer Jelena Carter. She discussed her work with curator Damon Arundel in the Jack Straw Studio. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to have you here. Um, why don't we start with if you could say a little bit about your project and its significance to you. So I'm working on a manuscript for a chapbook called Cicada. I am from St. Louis, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think anyone from St. Louis realizes that they're from the South until they leave St. Louis. <laughs> and other people tell them <laughs> that we're Southern. Um, but my family has a really long legacy from being from the South and my grandparents on my mother's side are mm-hmm. both from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of love for the South mm-hmm. in the book and in my poems. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talk about legacies a lot and mm-hmm. I talk about the influences from my family. But I also talk about some of the things that family passes down mm-hmm. that we don't really want to talk about. So the project is really a look at interpersonal relationships and how those manifest. Okay. Say something about uh, the the title cicadas. So the funny thing about cicadas is that they tend to live underground for very long periods of time, and then they come above ground for very short periods of time. They mate, and then they die. And I think that... That says a lot. One of the main things that I try to pull out in my book is the idea that creation comes from destruction. And so the idea that these bugs are coming together to form life Mm -hmm. and then go off and and die and kind of make space for the the new life that's coming into the world, Mm -hmm. um, that is a very important theme in the book. Mm -hmm. And so I felt it was very appropriate Would you mind sharing one of your pieces with us? Sure. So this one is from the manuscript. And it hasn't found a home yet, but it's it's one of my favorites. Backstory. It is the year 2016, and metal marbles make sounds like lampposts leaning on each other. It is the 23rd summer and metal marbles still roll around each other like sisters looking for a soft spot to bite. We are on the street where greased-up black boys balance on the split-open bricks that still make the suburbans rock. And metal marbles whisper things like, be a Tim, wrapped around an ankle, clad in tights. We are in the garden with all the foreign flowers that gave me permission to say home again, thinking about how metal marbles make sweet of how it is never too late to cicada yourself underground. We are on the highway behind our house, tracking down Sonic, and metal marbles are hot, like Joan of Arc and birthing vaginas and other explosions. Mm. 
Can you tell us a little bit about that poem, please? That poem is about a period of time that I spent in St. Louis with my family, kind of in the throes of it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the meat of where this project is coming from, very much all of the things that I wanted to talk about and maybe that my family didn't want to talk about coming to a head. And it is part of a series, a series on metal marbles in particular. So there's a storyline there Mm -hmm. that I'm weaving throughout the book. And I'm kind of working backward with it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really excited to see where it starts because I have several pieces that are already in place, Mm -hmm. or at least how it fleshes out. Mm -hmm. Who are some of your inspirations? And that can be artistically. It could just be from uh, from society. Who who has sparked some inspiration in you? I think that people who have influenced the phase that I'm at right now and the energy that I'm putting into this this project, mm-hmm. uh, as far as wanting to speak out and wanting to be loud and vocal about things that um, make people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a poet named Laura Mathis mm-hmm. who talks very candidly in her poetry about trauma that she's experienced in her life. And a lot of her poems, she is talking directly to her abusers. Wow. And it's very powerful mm-hmm. to read something like that. And so I think after reading her work for a while, I kind of was like, I want to kind of take on that same energy. And then uh, the poet Nikki Giovanni is one of my favorite poets, and uh, she really got me into poetry when I first started reading it. And the first collection of hers that I read was like black talk, black feeling. And when I read it, I didn't like it because it was so vocal. It Mm. was so candid, Mm -hmm. and it made me uncomfortable. And it wasn't until I went back and reread it, like, years later, and I was like, this is valid. This is extremely valid. And as a black woman, this is, this is so necessary for me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the whole idea of exploring fear. What, is, what does that mean to you? Some of my favorite work explores the things that no one wants to talk about. Explores fear and explores death and it explores just the things that make people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think as black people, we live in a very unique position where we experience fear a great deal in this world and we are also expected to never show that we are afraid which is so burdensome and I would kind of like to really attack that sentiment Mm. it's great to be someone who people can look up to and say, oh, that person can handle it. That person is strong. That person is 
is everything that I want to be. But it ultimately is a disservice to ourselves. I see people who are not able to admit that they're afraid and how that kind of tears apart their lives. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, it very directly affects their interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. And if anything, I would love for black people and people of color who read this book to know that it's okay to be afraid Mm. and to be able to address that before it does the damage Mm. that it can do Mm -hmm. by ignoring it. That's powerful. Are you at a place in your writing and in your self-awareness where you just let that happen when it comes or... Are there moments where the stubbornness kicks in and it's like, nope, 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 no, I'm not ready for that. No, I don't want to. And the poem just has to kick in the door. For the most part, I just let it happen because I kind of feel like if I don't, then the poems won't get written. Like, I've definitely had moments a while back where I tried to stop the poem, and then it just left. Hmm. And it did not come back. Wow. And I was like, please, I'm sorry. (laughs) I I made a decision. I regret it. I regret Mm. that decision. Mm -hmm. But so teaching moments Mm -hmm. um, like that. I think on the flip side, I've had some moments where I've tried to force poems out, and they just kicking and screaming Mm -hmm. the entire time. They Mm -hmm. just frustrate me. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, you're going to do this on your own time. I understand. Okay, I have one final question for you. What does your work celebrate? What does it uphold? I think my work celebrates legacy and inspiration mm-hmm. and influence and, mm-hmm. and the people that came before us. I think everything is just kind of building off of what was there before. And we really wouldn't be anything without what was there before. And so all of us, we're all just kind of conglomerates of our experiences and interactions with other people and, and what we get from others and from our surroundings. And so I try to celebrate that in my work and celebrate, when I can, other people. Now we'll hear a selection from Jelena's live reading. I'm 16 and asking the RA at my new staying school for a slip, the kind you read about women wearing under their dresses. My Nana has raised me a good girl, a proper down south girl, a girl who is not seen but sometimes slips up and wants to be heard. I am about to be 25 and on my way to meet you at the concert. I think it's all fun because there is a band of blonde men wearing sequin speedos You are manic like always, and I am trying not to be another Alice for you. We are 17, and I did not think I would be one of the ones to make it this far. We are making fried Oreos in the community kitchen, or rather, we are burning fried Oreos (laughs) and melting plastic spatulas. 
This is the strongest taste of curdled destruction I have had that is not overwhelmed with guilt. I am about to be 25, and you have not changed much from how I have decided to remember you. You are still crashing wherever you please in the most euphoric way possible. I am still trying not to get caught up on your teeth. I am praying into this whiskey and coke while trying to convince my skin that it does not want to retrace its steps so badly. We are 17, and our hips swaddle each other like maybe this is what my womb is made for. You have hair in all the places I do, and you are showing me that maybe I could love myself too. I think that maybe I could love you in the midst of all this, but cowards do not chase the things that set their thighs on fire. We are 25, and there is a storm of light and lips after how many beers and whiskeys. I have not forgotten how lizard you can be, and it has not stopped catching my eye. But I cannot stop wondering, how do you tell someone they still make your sky turn purple with ash, that you are still reaping parts of yourself you have blackened out, and they are flooding all your hard work away? I'm not saying that I love you. I'm just saying that you make a mountain out of my heart, and I keep taking up residence in caverns. Watermelon Woman's Mother. Dear Mama, I do not expect anything of this world, not a lick or a tether. What I mean to say is, it is not lost on me that I am black and ugly or black and beautiful, depending on the time of day and the amount of sunshine breaking through the window, and sometimes whether there is whiskey involved. It is not lost on me that who I am is often someone else's rolling of the dice, or that if you were me, I would smile more and swap drinking for prayer and be more careful about what I read and be more filled to the brim about what I could not be rather than what I am. It is not lost on me that I am the watermelon woman, mama, but let this garden be my homage to you, the seeds I've picked out with my teeth, my sacrifice. Um, this next to last one is called Inheritance, and it is still a work in progress. <laughs> Mother, did you ever find metal marbles mining in the nape of your neck early in the morning when the sun was highest and most affectionate? Were any of the mornings you tumbled tall and late to work because of metal marbles welding themselves into place? Did you too grow tired of arriving at your bathroom sink only to look forward and see mirrors on mirrors, funhouse confetti and contortions? Are your mistakes surprises or acceptance? Do metal marbles still materialize in the pocket of your cheek, silver and swirling? Have you ever spent too much time questioning the shape of your mouth? Have you wondered if you could hold any more tongue by removing your teeth? Did your metal marbles ever make messes as big as mine? Ode to Immunity. I saw a woman swing her limbs like we weren't living in a plague. And it was so beautiful, I had to avert my eyes. 
I had to stare at the pipes in the ceiling, stare through the windows, at the buses on the street, anything other than her. Because then everyone would know it's been a while since I've been that free. I felt this woman's laugh ricochet off my skin, and I vibrated from a cold place freed warm. What I mean to say is I rippled, or that sometimes I can't tell the difference between the fluorescent lighting and the thumping of my own heart, or that it's all just cicadas at the end of the day. What I mean to say is that there is a burrowing that I sometimes mix up with the hum of the refrigerator. And to see how expansive someone's throat could be, to see it vessel itself for a sound the likes of freedom, it makes sense. It lends logic and reason to how vocal cords could thrash themselves against each other, chasing the fear out of themselves. The taste of noise in one's mouth is just the taste of iron wet skin slapping against itself. Scar tissue is just thick skin, it's just teeth and grin, it's just chest and chin. Her voice and her limbs are the sweetest, sweetest, sweetest lash across the tongue. I've never seen a wound hold a world as warm as this one. I've never seen a limb live out its vitality without fear of the chopping block. I'm in awe of all these open mouths free of dust and the half remnants of insect wings. Thank you. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production. The 2018 curator of this program is Damon Arundel. This episode of Sound Pages was produced by Alyssa Keen and Daniel Gunther. Recording engineers are Ayesha Ubiatilaka, Daniel Gunther, and Joel Maddox. Narrator is Alyssa Keen, and executive director of Jack Straw Cultural Center is Joan Rabinowitz. Theme music by Amy Rubin and Don Clement, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Special thanks to Larry Lawrence. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology. Thank you for listening. <laughs>